cliffcentral.com. Okay, let's turn our attention to actually important things. African analysis is our chance to catch up with JJ Cornish. And it's brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. We look at what happens around the continent. And he is on standby and ready to fill us in on all the important things. Uh, bonjour, JJ. How are you? Bonjour. I'm immensely well. I was glad to hear you talking about the dentist. Yes. I went, I went just yesterday to the dentist, sat uh-huh. in his comfortable chair, Yes. Lean, leaned over, and I grabbed him by the testicles and said, we're not going to hurt each other today, are we? <laughs> no, that, that, that part's not true. But he did say to me, your teeth are perfect, but your gums have to come out. <laughs> JJ, that that's true. not – that's horrible. <laughs> but I do like your strategy. I like your strategy for keeping the dentist from hurting you. That's yeah. very clever. I think so. I think so. I have a I have a lady dentist, so I don't think that will work. <laughs> yeah, I, but I'll come up with something and mail you. Huh? Okay, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, and then I will reward you with some cheap Chinese clothing that I'll get imported for you. All right, so JJ, let's just talk quickly about some of the things that are happening at the moment because there's a, you know another week and a pile of new information about a country that we haven't discussed for some time, Liberia. Uh, and well yeah. done to them. A seamless change of power in Liberia after a closely fought election. This is truly worth celebrating because we have few and far between of these in, in our continent of Africa recently. Uh, Liberia, peaceful transition to power, which is more than we can say for America you know, when Joe Biden and Donald Trump went up against each other the last time. Yeah, and, and I mean, uh, how many times have the American elections? I mean, I, I've been lectured to by Americans on this is how to do it. But then again, you know, they they, they, they screw it up very badly towards the end. Well, Joseph Boakai, uh, who's 78 years old now, he beats uh, George Weah, the former soccer star. I don't know if you call a former soccer star former. I think he was a soccer star and remains Yeah, he that. was. Ne- yeah. Nevertheless... Boakai, uh, he got 50,9% and uh, 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 Weah got 49,1%. There were 28,000 votes separating the two of them. So there's plenty of room for a dispute there. But uh, Weah said, I am putting the national interest ahead of personal interest. Congratulations to you, Joseph. Uh, He beat him, by the way, uh, in the first elections in 20. What was it? The last time round, but he beat him by he got something like sixty five percent. But it seems yeah. the people are very disappointed in him. And and you know, there's things like electricity cuts. Oh, who could ever live with that? No wonder they want to change the government. <laughs> and potholed roads. I mean, can you imagine living in a country with potholes no. in your roads? I can't. I'll, I mean, absolutely I'll, unspeakably awful. Apparently, the I road know. from the airport home I- into the capital is filled with potholes. These poor Outrageous. guys. How do they manage? I simply can't imagine. But anyway, are we going to are we going to uh, throw out our government for that? I wonder. But it's well, an interesting you know turnaround. JJ, yeah. I mean, it's 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 cool that the the guy who conceded the election and did the right thing is a footballer. Maybe that's the key: is that we need more footballers it's in politics. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I go into politics, I'm going to go like a cricketer. In other words, I'm going to wear a cricket protector at all times. Because you can't trust it. You know, when you get up close and personal with these politicians, 
They play dirty. Yeah. There's no doubt yeah. about it. <laughs> For sure. But I mean, you know, but basically, he, you know, the things he promised, he never delivered on. Now, I've never heard of that either with politicians. So they have mm. poverty, they have <laughs> unemployment, they have food insecurity. Uh, you know, no wonder George Weyer went. I mean, if, if politicians behave like that, none would stay in office. I'm absolutely sure of that. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the DRC because they are about to start their months-long election campaign uh, in a climate of political uncertainty. No, not in the DRC. Political uncertainty can't be. Well, well, in the East, you know, Felix Chisakedi running, uh, I mean, they're actually going to change uh, the peacekeeping force there now. I'll keep, I'm sure they're going to keep them there till after the elections, which are on the 20th of December. Uh, those, I don't know why they have them so close to Christmas. I've been there as an election observer. And then, and then trying to get onto a plane to get home for Christmas is an absolute nightmare. Maybe, but, maybe they they actively want to do it at a time where people are at home. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's it. But who is this guy you spoke about? Because you seem to think we all know who he is in in the east of the DRC. Well, no, Felix Chisaketti is the president. <laughs> Felix. And, and, uh, <laughs> Sorry, you know, we had no man. idea who Felix was. Sorry. Well, <laughs> oh, Felix. Okay. Like, yeah. you, know him, like, I mean, oh, you, Felix. you say it like he's your friend from Varsity or something. We had no well, idea who you're talking about. <laughs> well, I must tell you that if he loses the election, I'm probably going to invite him home for Christmas. So you can pop by <laughs> and meet Felix if you'd like to. But, yes, uh, you know, he's asking great. for another he's asking for another mandate. And uh, there are 26 candidates. You know, the the opposition, no fools, they say, how can we have, you know, we're just dispersing. And this is what happens all over Africa, too many candidates. So five of the top opposition groups were in South Africa. They met here last week to create a single candidate. And that's the best way they can of making Felix doesn't come and have Turkey with me on the 25th okay. of December. But and, and uh, he, you know, is he is he likely to win again? It looks like it. You know, he, he seems, uh, 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 yes, he looks like he's going to win it. But the, the problem, of course, in the east of the country, that is where they have the violence, in Ituri and in North Kivu and those areas, which is where I always go when I go as an observer. Very, very interesting part of the world, but a very troubled one. Yeah, I'm a little bit jealous of you going to all these far-flung places because these definitely aren't on, on the, the usual tourist menu, you know, and... It seems to me that when you've gone to a place like the Eastern DRC, you really get a good idea of what's happening in the world. It's not, it's, it's, it's not one of those places that, you know, there's terribly much first-hand information coming from. You know, it's chocolate right? box beautiful, chocolate box beautiful, but uh, people just don't want to be there. Uh, the, uh, Lake Kivu is just fantastic, although it does mm. have these huge clouds of methane gas that mm. bubble up from the bottom. And if you happen to be on a fishing boat when this happens, that's the last time you uh, take fish out of the water. They find whole boats full of people dead from the methane gas. Well, of course, the Rwandans uh, have got uh, Russian technology, and they're trying to oh. uh, harvest this methane gas. It's a very interesting plant they have there, and hmm. to and and going to sell it. But really. Uh, 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 Kivu is just such a beautiful city and uh, I mean I love going there but as I say it's very very difficult around there and, and uh, certainly the East African community moved troops in to try and calm things down they haven't worked with this group called M23 the rebel group 
so now we're going to have Sadek. They just signed a deal on that one. To Sadek troops going in. And then Monusco, which has been there since the 90s, they're going to move out. But as I say, I think they're going to keep them there until after uh, the elections on the 20th of December. Uh, JJ, what about Kenya? Because uh, President William Ruto is going to Germany to get jobs for Kenyans. How does that work? Well, if you're professional, skilled or semi-skilled, you could be one of 250,000 Kenyans who get jobs in Germany. Currently, in Berlin, they have the Compact with Africa Summit. Now, that's the G20, the world's richest countries, and Africa meeting there. And that uh, compact, the, the G20 is offering $4.5 billion to boost clean energy in Africa. And mm -hmm. Olaf Scholz, the chancellor, uh, fronts that one with a big smile on his face, giving you, you know, handing out clean energy to the Africans. But very interesting mm -hmm. that William Ruto has been promised this. It was back in May that they spoke about it. Now he's gone to see if the Germans will deliver on that. But, uh, you know, what do you do? Send 250,000 of your most skilled people uh, out of an African country into the West? Yeah. You know, Germany, I mean, most of these countries that complain about getting um, migrants need them desperately for their economies to run. You know, yes. I can remember in the 70s, the Germans resisting fiercely the uh, onslaught of Turkish migrants. Well, it's widely recognized now that unless the, they had a substantial body of Turkish migrants in Germany, the economy just wouldn't turn over. So suddenly the Turks are, are fine, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but they still do resist the migrants coming over uh, the, from the, on the Mediterranean well, and, and, and that I way. Mean, isn't this why in Berlin the most popular dish is doner kebab, right? <laughs> I'm not surprised. What a city yeah. Berlin is. Uh, what a city. I just love going there. It really, when you go there, you feel you're at the beating heart of, of Europe, you know, and uh, very, a very fascinating place to be. I mean, I've been there during the Cold War time to have those cold-eyed East Germans looking at you like, whoa, 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 or looking at you like you're about to get on an El Al flight or something. But it sounds, uh, like a, it sounds like an Elton John song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, so, what what else do we need to know? Because we've we haven't for a long while done one of your uh, deep dives into uh, uh, one of the African countries. I'm very interested in South Sudan. And Pumi, who does the show with me on a on a Thursday morning, she said she's got a friend who's in South Sudan. We've got a listener who's in the South Sudan, and uh, I also know someone who's over there at the moment. Seems like it's it's all the rage right now. Why would that be? Well, you know, it's the youngest African country. It's, of course, mm. Sudan, once the biggest country in Africa, broke. Mm -hmm. Now, not supposed to be able to do that in terms of the African uh, scheme of things. You can't break from your colonial boundaries because if you did, I mean, the country, the whole continent would be in an absolute mess. But because of the length and, and bloodiness of the civil war there, yeah. the African Union decided, okay, let them split. And that also was along the Arab and African line. So the, mm. the majority of people, uh, Salva Kiir, who runs South Sudan, uh, um, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's an African. And they have uh, political troubles. They, virtually from their birth, they've had problems. Now, I don't know what the people are doing there, but I don't imagine they're there on tourism. They're probably aid or, or development people or something like that, because that okay. is what South Sudan desperately <laughs> needs. And they have problems with rebel groups from Uganda and 
so the, the neighbors of course you know whenever there is a problem uh the the south sudanese uh, have to move into the the neighboring states who can't accommodate them and now those neighboring poor neighboring states are having to take refugees from sudan itself and of course that situation in sudan particularly in darfur is not looking very bright so if you ask me would you like to go to south sudan i would ask you a million questions about exactly where and what uh, my exit strategy would be or what your strategy would be to get me out of there pretty quickly okay so in other words not uh, again just like east uh, drc not necessarily a tourist trap not the kind of place uh, that you you would rush to as a tourist i would say don't you know don't take your thongs and your ba- you know neat little <laughs> what louis vuitton backpack with you i think you might need something a little more heavyweight than that I'm uh, I'm so glad to have you on the show. You're the only person who's been able to say Louis Vuitton properly because most of the people pronounce it horrendously. It's Louis Vuitton. Chief. Louis Vuitton. It's Vuitton. And and you well, said something interesting, uh, JJ, about the the, the president of, of South Sudan. He said he's an African, and I just want you to explain because there's an ethnic component to that part of the world, which makes uh, the divisions that much more glaring. There's a religious component. There's an ethnic component. Just explain that because I don't think a lot of people entirely understand it. Well, essentially, Sudan is majority, but only just majority Arab. Yes. Now, when you say this, and, and the problem, and Darfur, for example, mm. is majority African. Now, mm. when you say this to them, they get very angry. They say, there's no difference. We're all Sudanese. But the fact mm. is, if you want to be uh, a Sudanese, you know, better choose to be an Arab. You'll get a better break. You know, it's. I suppose it's like being Swiss. If you want to be Swiss, then be German Swiss. Don't be Italian Swiss, you know, <laughs> because you'll have a better life as a German Swiss. And these are just realities, ethnic yeah. realities in any country. But there are in spades in, in Sudan. Maybe I could have phrased that better, but nevertheless... <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's uh, these are these are the curiosities that that uh, you know, like for example, when whenever I'm talking to people about the Balkans, uh, it's easy to explain to them that the difference between a Croat and a Serb, and a Montenegrin and a Bosnian is usually about their religious inclinations more than yeah. anything else. Uh, it, it, it's it's important to know this stuff so that when you meet someone from South Sudan, you can then have these conversations and they can they can actually go somewhere rather than you just sitting there going. Oh wow! Oh wow! Oh wow! The whole time until you're bored. Yeah. Well, uh, look, uh, Sudan, uh, terribly interesting country, and of course, with South Sudan, South Sudan has the oil, but mm. to get the oil out, they have to go through Sudan to go to the ah. terminal at Port Sudan, and that is a huge problem. Now there are countries saying, "Well, let us build you a pipeline out of South Sudan somewhere else." But when you look at the geography, that's not easy. There is a pipeline being built around Lake Victoria, the largest lake, freshwater lake in the world. There's a yes. pipeline being built around Lake Victoria from South Sudan uh, mm-hmm. onto the east coast of Africa. Um, I've got a, a friend who's actually busy working on it. But uh, you know, so so. Uh, until they do that, they can't be completely independent of Sudan. And they want that independence from Sudan. They didn't fight a bloody civil war, uh, you know, just because they didn't like them as neighbors or, or you know, yeah. they, they wanted to what uh, throw them off their WhatsApp group or something. It's quite serious, <laughs> the pr- problem between the two of them. 
And uh, so, you know, Sudan has grown up developmental problems, but problems within itself mm. in terms of civil war and so on. So uh, one, one prays for Sudan or South Sudan as the youngest African country, uh, but it needs quite a bit of praying, I have to tell you that. So, JJ, just uh, one last thing, because we hardly ever have time with you. Um, it usually feels like it just flies by. Uh, which which African country would you most like to uh, get a free ticket to visit right now? And which one would you least like to get a free ticket to visit right now? I know now? an answer to this one. He hates Morocco. You wouldn't want to go to Morocco, huh? I, I love Morocco. I love Moroccans. But the Moroccan government hate my guts. Yeah, and and they've been kind enough to record, call me l'assassin de plume, the assassin with the pen, which well, that's I'm having great. Ma- which I'm having made into a T-shirt, but ah, and, I'm yeah. gonna, and I'm going to sell that through Shein, you know, the assassin <laughs> of the pen. Well, yeah. I'll certainly we'll make more you. money than writing about Morocco. So uh, I, I think that has to be the country I'd least like to go to because if I did, I would end up on toll, you know, behind bars. Yes, uh, but countries that I would 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 uh, like to go to, uh, well, I, I love Tunisia and um, I quite like Algeria too, but those they they have their troubles, and then uh, around uh, you know certainly uh, Mauritius. Any anybody would want to go to Mauritius, the, oh, the yeah. most developed uh, uh, African country, and I also absolutely adore Madagascar, although they're having real trouble at the moment yeah. with their election. And uh, and apparently it's gone backwards uh, quite substantially since I was last there when I, I was there as an election observer the previous election. What's the, uh, what, what's gone wrong there? Because for a while they were they were a little bit more stable. What happened? Well, well they've been run by a DJ. Andre Rajolina is in fact <laughs> he's a very bad dude. Uh, he threw out the, 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 the and he's a DJ. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Young guy, full of rock and roll. But no, not a clue on how to run the country. You know, I remember coming and (laughs) flying away from where I was the election observer. And this woman on the plane with me said, are you aware of the, she was a development worker and said, are you aware of the plague in the South? I said, actually not. You know, I've come as an election observer. Where? And, you know, I I I then started following plague. They have plague, a breakout, a plague every year. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the thing about wow. it is, if you're in, if you are in Madagascar, my best advice is don't keep any pet rats. Well, don't they have lemurs in them? Can I tell thing? you something? That's good advice all round. Don't keep pet rats. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put that into the. Uh, I'll put that on a t-shirt and sell it on sheets. Well, I have a t-shirt <laughs> made with it. <laughs> That's the plan. Don't, All right, don't very take good. any wooden nickels. Don't keep any pet rats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good. A joking atheist says, the only African country I want to visit is Wakanda. <laughs> There's no such place. I'm sorry to break it to you. All right. No. Thanks very much, JJ. Lovely to see you. And thank you for all your useful information this morning. We'll catch up with you in a couple of days' time. Looking forward to it. Thank you. JJ Cornish and the Johannesburg Business School bringing you African analysis every Tuesday, every two weeks on cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.